and welcome to Turtle Tracks, the Ninja Turtles podcast hosted by Brian Van Hooker. I have with me here Robbie Rist, the original voice of Michelangelo in the Turtles films. Yeah, hello. How you doing today, Robbie? I'm doing great. Good heavens, it took us forever to make this thing happen today, but through sheer perseverance and American stick-withedness, we made it happen. Yes, we did, and I appreciate that. Yeah. Just about everything could have gone wrong today, but we still managed to make this work. Yeah. So, uh, I guess we'll start um, basically at the uh, the be- er, beginning of your career. I, I don't know if everybody knows that you were a, uh, a child actor, so what what lured you into acting? Uh, universal horror movies of the 1930s. Okay. Uh, yeah, I was a really big uh, werewolf, you know, I was a really big Lon Chaney Jr. fan. And uh, uh, the other movies were great as well, but for some reason, man, that, that the Wolfman movie just, I don't know, captivated me. So I was like, at about four, I started telling my parents, I want to be in a monster movie. And my parents were like, that's very cute. And I go, no, no, you don't understand. I want to be in a monster movie. And they went, yeah, that is so cute. And after a while, it just became, I want to be in a movie. I want to be in a movie. And they, I apparently irritated the crap out of them so much that they went, all right, look, Junior, we'll uh, take you to a cattle call. And they were conspiring, you know, thinking that uh, I, I was going to be, like, intimidated or something or whatever. And there were a whole bunch of kids there, and I got the job. <laughs> and then I did the job, and then I said to my parents, that was super fun. I would like to do that again. And they went, oh, uh, all right. So, the, and I was like, I think I'd gotten like six jobs before I didn't get one. And that just made me like kind of go, oh, really? You don't get everyone? The hell you don't. <laughs> like, I'm a real motivated little dude. So, uh, yeah. And then I, I don't know. I think by the time I did, the thing everyone like of a certain age knows me from is the Brady Bunch. Yeah. So if you're from that decade, uh, I'm known for that. Uh, but before that, I had racked up, I don't know, 120, 180 commercials in like two years. I mean, it was like, uh, seriously, I was on a mission. Wow. What do you accredit yeah. that to? I don't know. I liked it. I liked it. I've, I've uh, you know, I've always, uh, I've always been creative. I mean, when I was, when I was, I don't know, three, something like that, two, my mom said that I used to get up and I'd walk right to the piano and I would just bang on the thing for, you know, a minute or so. And then I would be like, all right, played that. And then I'd be off to the next activity. Um, I was playing violin at three. And I just, I, I always was drawn to it, I guess. And once I started doing it, I was like, come on, this is amazing. I, I mean, to this day, it's kind of hard for me to believe that it's work. Wow. The, the, the work is getting the work. That's the hard part. The hard part is getting the work. Once you get the work, it's like, yeah, this is great. You can just like let go and be an idiot. <laughs> so, uh, tell me about Brady Bunch. I mean, how was it? What was it like being uh, on like the biggest show around at the time? Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I was nine, so I, I was eight when we when we shot it, and uh, you know, I, uh, at that age, everything's great. Um, I was more of a $6 million man fan, so, you know, the Brady Bunch was fine, but necessarily not, you know, would have been my preference of show to be on. Um, and, uh, but, uh, 
you know, six weeks on this thing. It didn't really get weird. You know, you, uh, you're a you're a younger guy. What are you like in your thirties ish? Thirty two. Yeah, there you go. And uh, like, there was a, uh, it, it was a it was a different time, son. But it didn't get weird. <laughs> it didn't get weird until the show went into syndication. When the show went into syndication, that's where everybody started looking at it as this kitschy kind of you know dumb kind of you know goofy show. Where when it was on. You know, uh, Bill Murray ushered in the era of irony the minute he went, Star Wars, those near and far wars. When he did that on Saturday Night Live, basically he closed the door on a certain kind of wide-eyed, earnest entertainment. Like, if you watch Leave it to Beaver... You think, my God, this is so cheesy as all. Good Lord. But it wasn't then. Then it was just a show that was on. And that was sort of, that was the entertainment that was being made at the time. Yeah, you don't really see wholesome as a selling point anymore for TV shows. Yeah, definitely. Most, yeah, it's a wholesome TV show. Yeah, Yeah. no, you know, yeah. What else you got? <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, I was, uh, yeah, I really wasn't aware of what I was on. And then it really turned into the Brady Bunch everybody knows now after it went into syndication for a couple of years. Because there were people that saw every episode three and four times, five times, six times, you know. So, they were really familiar with the material. And your character was Cousin Oliver, who I know some fans weren't crazy about, right? Well, you know, there's a, the gag is that, uh, you know, he brought down the show, uh, which is, I mean, it's not true, but I'll cop to it. (laughs) (laughs) Be like, yeah, man, I totally brought that thing down. A nine-year-old child has the power to bring down a television dynasty. It's quite a weight in your shoulders. No kidding. It's exhausting. (laughs) So, following that, uh, how did you uh, how did your career evolve into uh, voice acting? Um, well, I mean, I did a bunch of stuff, uh, and I, uh, like on camera, you know, all through my teen years and all that. And then around uh, like seventeen or eighteen, I did a couple of one-off voice jobs, and uh, because the agency I was with. There were uh, there was a kids department that I was part of, but upstairs there was a voiceover department, and whenever they needed young voices, they would call down and go, "Hey, send up a couple of kids and do this thing." Well, I started picking those up, and then I was like, "This is the best job in the world because I have a scorching case of ADHD, and at its at its longest, it's you know four hours long for a job. So I was, and you, if they start at ten. You know, so, like, bring it. Let's go. So, uh, and then it turned into a job that I just continued to have for, uh, you know, up until now. I'm still, I'm on Doc McStuffins right now. Yeah, Stuffy, right? Yeah. My daughter watches that show. Oh, it's, it's, uh, I'm, I'm, it's, oddly, I know it's a show for three-year-olds, but oddly, it's, I think, the thing that I'm most proud of that I've ever worked on. You know, I mean, like, I'm, I'm a huge animation fan, and, like, 
I, you know, I, I've I've watched so many of these shows recently too, and there's a big difference between a good animated show and a bad one. I see it. Oh yeah, sure, of course. Well, you know how much time they, uh, how much time and money. Everything's about time management and money. No matter how artistic it is, it's about time management and money. And if they don't have enough time to animate the thing that they have, they're gonna go uh, do it like that. Yeah, we don't need texture. <laughs> yeah. The kids won't care. Yeah. They're dumb. They're <laughs> as long as it sells the toys. Well, that's the crazy thing about, you know, Doc McStuffins is the creator of the show basically pitched it to Disney as cheers for preschoolers. You know, they like all these characters, you always see it's a, it's a place where everybody knows your name. You know, every it's always the same characters. And and they thought there were too many characters and people wouldn't understand the inner lives of these characters. And she went, kids are smarter than you think. <laughs> and they went, they went nuts over it. So Chris was right, of course. Yeah, it's a She's quality awesome. show. It really is. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so I, I ended up, uh, I ended up doing voiceover. Wait a second. Is that me? No, it's not. Uh, yeah, and then I, voiceover became the thing that I did primarily, and, uh, you know, here we are, like, I don't know, 30 years later, something crazy like that. Wow. Yeah. So getting into Turtles, when did uh, when did Turtles come on your radar? I mean, uh, the movie was in 1990, but do you know when it first kind of... Yeah, well, I was in a band uh, with a guy who was a big comic book fan around 1988 something like that, 87, 88. And I was at his house one day, and he said, look at this, this is the most ridiculous thing, it makes me laugh. And it was one of the original black and white turtle comic books. And it was really dark, and, you know, it wasn't the, it wasn't sort of the light haha stuff that we see now. And, uh, and I was like, oh, this is for kids. Well, I don't understand. I didn't understand comic books then, and, you know, eventually I had to, because, you know, turtles. But, so... I, uh, uh, where was I? I derailed my train of thought. Where, where, where was I? That's right. You were saying, uh, what, what was your awareness of Turtles before you became one? Right, right. So, so anyway, so the guy knew about the comic books, and, and then I didn't hear much about it. I, I'd heard maybe they were going to make a cartoon about it, and, uh, but I, you know, I wasn't watching television at the time, and then my agent sent me up for, uh, for the movie, and I was like, man, if that, if it's anything like a comic book, this is a thing for kids? Oh my! So I uh, I read for it and uh, and when I won it and uh, it's you know that one for me isn't acting basically because I went to high school with all those guys. Oh really? I, I, yeah, there was a whole are you kidding? There was a whole group of Michelangelos at my high school. Oh right, of course. <laughs> yeah, I mean I grew up in the San Fernando Valleys. You know, I mean that's it's sort of the it's sort of the home of surf speak. How much was of it of it was it a change from your regular voice? I don't know, not a whole lot. You know, it's more of an accent than anything else. You know, so yeah, yeah, it's it's primarily stoner. It's primarily what it is. The truth of the matter is, Michelangelo's a stoner. <laughs> we all know it. We all know it. They just don't show it in the kids' movies. But you know, when he's in his trailer, end of the day, you know, he wants to relax before getting in the car. You know. Rolls a number, whatever. Yeah. 
<laughs> we all know the truth. Yeah, you know, it was. It had to be told. <laughs> so, um, so, uh, you did the first movie. Now, what was the process like? Because I know you guys were were brought into the thing later on. Like you were, you already had the movie was shot already when you guys did your voices, yeah, right? Yeah, the, the movie was all done, and then uh, mostly, and uh, yeah, we we went in one at a time and knocked out our lines in you know three to four days something like that and uh i i don't think i saw any of the other actors oh, at wow. work yeah i think it was just uh i think we may have seen each other at the audition maybe that but uh yeah uh, the, uh really solitary work it's amazing how well it hangs together considering that it is done one person at a time did you have to do it like like you do ADR because it was already done? Yeah, yeah, and you had to match. Sometimes the you know the technology was cutting edge for the time, but it still had its issues, and so you know there'd be extra lip flaps and things like that that you would have to kind of incorporate into the performance. Ah, yeah. So it was you know, and your. Well, it is an ADR thing, and you're listening to the puppeteer doing his lines, you know, doing your lines, and so you have to, like, do your performance into a microphone while in your headphones you're hearing somebody else say the exact same line, completely different! Oh, the inflection was different? Yeah, well, you know, the other guy was less laconic. Yeah. You know, he had more of a clipped, kind of more of a clipped way of talking. Uh, kind of the way I I do naturally, uh, and then you know you know Michelangelo you know you kind of want to slow down a little bit, and it was a constant like oh god this is like you know it's like pulling a yak uphill just really difficult. I don't know how many yaks you pulled uphill, but several. It's not easy. <laughs> so I'm guessing to you this was just a gig though. I'm, I'm sure you didn't expect it to explode like it did, right? I don't think anybody did. Yeah. I think, you know, I mean, I remember, I forget who it was, you know, one of the guys that was on the mixing stage or on the sound stage with us, uh, you know, we were on a break and they were talking about how, like, they're like, well, we're not so sure about Steve Barron, man. He's made this thing look super dark and, you know, we want to aim this at kids. And I think there was concern that it might have been just a little too... Uh, I knew somebody once who said when, when she saw the Turtle movie for the first time, uh, when Raphael said, damn, she went, I'm watching a grown-up movie. <laughs> and and I mean, she was a little kid, you know. But I, I think, that, so there was, I think, a lot of apprehension, actually. I mean, I, you know, I mean, I wasn't there, so, you know, my side of it is largely hearsay. But, uh, you know, you'd have to get Eastman or Laird on the show for that. But, uh, but yeah, it was, uh, it was a crapshoot, apparently, and it was one that just, oh my god, huge opening weekend. I was hearing things about, they were, you know, they're pulling in all of this money, but you understand that at $52 million, half of those tickets are kid price tickets, which are half of adults at the time. Oh. So... So that means kids are seeing it more than one time. 
they're going back and they're, they're going back and they're going back and they're paying with, you know, kids tickets. It's making all of this money from kids going back and seeing it over and over and over again. I mean, it, the, the numbers must have been, you know, pretty high, pretty amazing. I mean, I, I remember when I was a kid, like talking about how it was such a dark movie and the cursing and all that. I remember getting in trouble for quoting Raphael ah. <laughs> as a little kid. Or you, I have heard every story from, you know, I kicked the legs out of all of my parents' furniture to, uh, I, what else? Uh, like people who saw the movie and then went home and said, oh, I want to be a ninja. Crash. You know, <laughs> there was a bunch of that stuff. There was... Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's amazing. Something weird about that movie, and I say this a lot. I don't. I say this a lot. I say I don't want to compare it to Star Wars, but it's kind of like Star Wars in that it's a generational movie. Now, there's something about if you're at a certain age, if you're between the ages of like six and maybe eleven at the very high end. If you're between those two ages and you see that movie, something fundamentally changes in you. And it's happened to so many people that they saw this thing and they were like, what? And they just responded to it so strongly. And, I mean, think about how many other people didn't respond that strongly to the Michael Bay movie. No. I mean, I don't know what it is, but, like, and I'm a fan of, like, Every iteration of the Turtles, I'm, you know, I'm, that's why I do the podcast because I'm really trying to be pretty generous about it. But I say this without equal: that movie to me is the very best incarnation of the characters to me. It's a great, it's yeah, really a good movie. Yeah. I hear that a lot. Yeah, I, I mean, I've been to screenings, you know, of, of the movie with like live audiences and stuff like that, answered questions and stuff, and I, which means I've seen the movie a bunch of times since mm. and and it really hangs together rather well i keep wanting to go eh, you know it is what it is it's the 90s but <laughs> do you know do you know what cinema sins is no they're a, they're a, it's a youtube thing okay they do these they do these uh, little uh, vid, little 15 minute things that are called Everything Wrong With This Movie. In oh, yeah, 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 I've heard of them. Right. The turtle one's hilarious because it starts with him saying, this opening scene is more, is so 1990 that 1991 called it and asked it what happened. I mean, it was like, it, it, so I keep waiting for that moment to happen for me where I'm just like, yeah, it's of its time, eh, whatever. But it's actually super cute. And there's, there's genuine, it, one of the things that I, like in a movie is I like to worry about whether everybody's going to be okay. Hmm. And and in that movie, everybody's in pretty serious jeopardy at one time or another. For And for kids, that's pretty hardcore. Because as an adult, I find myself going, man, you know, it, it gets... When they're out at the farm, things get really serious. It's all of a sudden we're watching a Merchant Ivory film. Oh, yeah. I mean, the stakes are high. It's like it has the comedy you want, but it's still like it's a the, the drama's real in that movie. Yeah, yeah. It's really cool. You know, the second one, they lighten it up a lot. And then, you know, by the third one, the, th the third one I like just because they basically went, hey, if you can find some way to fill this line here, we don't know what to put there. 
they just let me go, you know. I'm like, yeah, cool. So we'll get to the third one shortly. Uh, so the second one happened like right away. So they made a ton of money and said, okay, we're making a new one. We're making the next one next week, right? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I mean, wouldn't you? Good heavens. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know, do you have any? That movie, our movie made 150 million dollars. We should make another one. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but they did lighten it up and made it much more kid-friendly. Uh, the opening scene yeah. with Michelangelo features uh, him fighting with sausages instead of nunchucks. Combat cold cuts, man. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Um, and and but you know, even still, like you know, it doesn't like it's not as strong as a film, but it's still like, I, and maybe it's more just nostalgia talking, but it is a fun movie to watch. I think all three of them are. It's for young. That one's for younger people. Oh, for sure. You know, that's for every, you know, th- th- I think they were kind of skewing a little high with the first one. Because, you know, you could be 14 and kind of still not think that movie is completely juvenile. Oh, yeah. And I think... two, I don't know if that's necessarily so. And I think because of that, though, it's really aged well, I think. Like, you know, like you said, you want to pick it apart years later, but, like, it, it does hold together. Yeah, yeah. Really does. What, and so the third one was just kind of a free for all. It's just like do whatever you want. You know, well, to an extent. I mean, there were a lot of little. They, uh, he who dings the shell must pay. I think <laughs> I remember that big mine. Uh, there's a few of them. Uh, yeah, there's a. Uh, I think. Uh, the, the, yeah, I think they let Corey Feldman get a little. Uh, uh, you know, get a little free also with the with the dialogue stuff. So it was a lot of fun to do, and uh, and. And man, do people not like that movie! I think it gets, Oh my I, lord! <laughs> I think they're a little hard on it, I'll be honest with you. I think they're a little hard on it. You know, I mean, I, I, I don't know if, I don't know if my fandom ever reached, you know, to the depths of going, you're wrecking it! But it's, <laughs> but that's basically what everyone said about that movie. And I'm like, ah. You know, cute, I guess. I mean, again, it's probably, it's probably mostly nostalgia talking. I do think the puppetry... I don't know if you've watched that one recently, but the puppetry is one of the harder things to swallow because it's not the Henson Creature Shop anymore. So it kind of just doesn't feel as real or tangible. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, you know, they should have ponied up the dough. <laughs> but I still think it's a fun movie. I mean, maybe that's just the eight-year-old in me still talking, but uh, I still well, enjoy it. you know, I mean, I got... As far as my character goes, that guy gets some juicy stuff to do in that show. There, you know, he gets a girlfriend, kind yeah. of in a weird, backward ass kind of way, and there's a lot of drama happening. I mean, good lord! It, I mean, that really shows how they are teenage mutant ninja turtles. You know, it's just so like I, I Michelangelo stops short of listening to Morrissey. Mikey gets heavy in that one. <laughs> You know, he he's totally in. He's totally into her. And don't don't get me wrong. I, you know, I, I could see why. But you know, <laughs> there are there are decided issues. There are logistical and, problems. And there are many logistical problems. Yeah, you know. I mean, I, I'll bet you that poor girl couldn't even say the word cloaca. <laughs> so moving on from that. <laughs> <laughs> so th- that wasn't like so. I'm guessing you know that that's 
where most people think that your your turtle uh turtle stuff ends, but uh you came back to the 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 franchise in t- the 2012 series as Mondo Gecko. Yeah, totally. And it's a I think there's a gag at work there because I think there's three Michelangelo's that are involved in that somehow is women is Sipes on that? Yes. Yes. Okay, he's the new Michelangelo. And Townsend Coleman was a guest star, but not in that episode. What about Mikey Kelly? Who is Michelangelo in the in the the, the computer generated one? Oh, you know what? I don't know. Maybe there is. Ah, I'll have to look that up. I don't anyway, know. You yeah. stumped me. Anyway, so at one point, I have a photo of the three of us working on that thing together. It's like three generations of Mikeys. It's pretty hilarious. Oh, I didn't know that. That's that's. I yeah. have to dig that up now. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Anyway, but yeah, so back on that. Hey, everybody who's a turtle fan, get on the horn and tell them to make a Mutanimals com- er, cartoon. Yes. Put out a Mutanimals cartoon. I could use the work. <laughs> well, Mondo Gecko was a quite like a, like, he, I think he was kind of, he was a unique character because he was just not strong. He was cowardly and weak, but he was a lot of fun on that show. He was great. Yeah, and he can lick his own eyeballs, so that's always something. <laughs> I mean, I was very excited to hear when when I remember that episode premiere because it's one of my and I love the 2012 show and the Mondo Gecko episode is maybe my favorite. Uh, and showing like when your voice came on that television screen and I didn't know it was coming, I was like, I was floored and I was so excited that it was you. <laughs> Oh, wow. Thank you. That's cool. I'm glad to... That's better than, oh, crap and a half. They got wrist. (laughs) Which I'm sure some other people are saying, even right now. Well... (laughs) (laughs) One one thing that was cool... What an idiot! (laughs) One thing that was so cool was, like, you know, they had changed Cowabunga to something else in that cartoon, and, you know, I always was like, oh, I don't really like this new thing, just because I, you know, was whining about it. But, like, then... The perfect way to bring Cowabunga into that show was was you doing it. Yeah, totally. And I think isn't there like an episode where they're sort of talking about the merits of both words? Oh yeah, yeah, that's pretty hilarious. <laughs> it's become very self-aware. Oh yeah, that show was since the beginning. It was always referencing the old cartoon, and it, it, the 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 amount of fan service they do in that show while not being overhanded about it was was great. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, you know, that's funny that, that you say that, because that, uh, that was my issue with the Michael Bay approach to the whole thing. You know? Yeah. It was, uh, he, 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 didn't, he didn't care about them. And, and, and the thing is, the fans put you there. You should be nice to them. You should give them the things that they want to see. And I think that's what that turtle cartoon does really well, as well as sort of running it through the taffy machine a little bit. Yeah, and I mean, like, as much as I think, you know, it's more important to have story, which certainly the Michael Bay film doesn't, I mean, you want to pay attention to them, embrace the characters a little more, and yeah, that that, the the first Michael Bay film doesn't do that. It kind of just runs around and has a lot of action that's kind of hard to follow. Right. And that's, you know, I mean, I mean, that's a hallmark of his films. But, you know, like I said, 
I mean, actually, it's funny that they've made billions of dollars because I don't know many happy Transformers fans. Yeah, I mean, you I've seen them. I think I think they make a lot of it overseas where they changed all the dialogue. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe so. Because they, uh, yeah, it seems, again, you know, they have Transformer testicles. Really? Really? You know? Come on. Yeah, so, uh, but I think that's the thing about, about people who like your work is... You should give the people who like your work the stuff they like your work for. Yeah, I mean, like, in the sequel they did a little bit. Uh, it's not. It's certainly not a good film. But in the second one, they really did a good job with Bebop and Rocksteady, which to me felt like, as a fan, I was like, oh, I've been waiting for this since the second movie where they did Token and Razor, but we really wanted Bebop and Rocksteady. They did a good job with it in them. Are you aware of who the angry video game nerd is? I've heard the name, yeah. Alright, he's, he's another internet guy. Um, look him up. He does a review of Turtles 3 that's maybe the funny, one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. I mean, he really lives up to his name, the angry video game nerd in it. And, uh, and he's spot on. You know, I see after watching that what all the, you know, the why people don't like 3, because 3 doesn't really give good turtle. Hmm. I'm curious what that means. <laughs> yeah, well, it, 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 they don't... It doesn't It doesn't connect the way the... They didn't care as much oh, as yeah. they did in the first two. And it shows. It's in there, you know? And that's what I mean. You have to give the fans what the fans love you for. Yeah, I mean, look, Disney, Disney has that wired right now. Oh, yeah. The Star Wars movies. The Rogue, uh, not Rogue One, but the one before, the, the Force Awakens. It, it was like, all right, all right, all right, you guys, I get it. You want this here. And what did they do? They rewarded them with repeated viewings and, you know, just a crazy discussion that, that, that went deeper into the mythology among all of the fandom people. I mean, it did exactly what it was supposed to do because it gave them what they wanted. Yeah, it reignited that spark. And, and yeah, I mean, like, I think you have to deliver. You're right. You do have to deliver on some level to that. Like, like and that was what it was for me when I heard you as Mondo. I was like, I was like, wow. I, I just couldn't, I couldn't believe it. So. Yeah, it's a, it's a really, it was a pretty funny idea. I'm, you know, kudos to the man. Oh, yeah. Sierra Nielli. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, is there any difference, I'm curious, is there any difference between your voice of Mikey and your voice of Mondo? No. No, as a matter of fact, I, I said, you understand that this is a surfery guy. And they went, no, no, that's why we wanted you. Okay, cool. We, yeah, I believe it's another one of those references to another turtle time. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. So another I, bit I, of it's like it's like Skynet. It's really becoming self-aware. Eventually, the whole Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles universe will burst into the real world as if it's real. Also, it kind of already has in a lot of ways. <laughs> so I, 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 in my searching of your um, of your IMDb page, I stumbled across something that quite surprised me: is that you did a guest spot on the '87 cartoon. 
Did I? You did. You were in a one of the later seasons. This is when this is when they were bored with the premise of the show and they decided that all the turtles get to turn into monsters. And you played and there was a human sidekick. His name was Carter. And you played the villain, or I think villain slash friend of that added extra character. Really? You were Jet McCabe. Which I don't think is a real name. (laughs) Uh, uh, Wow, now is it up somewhere? I'd like to see it. I, it's on, it's on YouTube because I, I, like I said, I was browsing and I was like, no, he wasn't on the 87 show. I would have known that. And I pulled it up and sure enough, it's your voice as some guy who has a mech suit. Wow. Uh, so what's the episode called? It's, oh boy, let me pull it up, hold on, I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll let you know what it was, but it's, it, it's on yeah, YouTube, yeah. and it's, it's, like I said, I was like, what, how, how would I not know this, and it was a really cool ah. thing that I'm sure was, it was, oh, okay, the episode is Showdown. Okay. So it's a really unique title. And it was, uh, from 1995, so it was like the last or second to last season of the that's show. Only, that's that's only that's only 23 years ago. <laughs> I remember it as if it happened 23 years ago. Yes. <laughs> so that was just a bit of trivia I found. Um let's see here. Uh you're also involved in uh something I hadn't seen until today actually was the Casey Jones fan film. Oh yeah, totally. Yes. Uh what, what, what is the director's name? Pilotus. No, it's... What's the director? Do you remember the director's name? That nah, just escapes me. I haven't thought I about know. it in so long. I, P- P- Polaris Banks! Polaris Banks! That's his name. Oh, okay. I'm 53. My brain still functions. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I love doing that. Uh, you know, actually, that was, I think, going on... At the time, there was some other turtle thing... And I felt like I was on the good one. You know? I think I, I thought I I thought I put myself in with the right crowd. Because Polaris was doing it for the right reason. Yeah, it was a dark... I mean, it, it, it's on YouTube, and it's a, it's a dark half-hour little um, movie about Casey Jones, but Mikey shows up, and it's, it's, it's actually him. Which yeah. is quite cool. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, and but I like that kind of stuff. I think fan, I think fan films are cool. Sometimes I think people who make things with no budgets are, love film more than people who spend millions, billions of dollars on them. Oh, certainly, because they've also, you know, uh, scrounged their savings and sold their comic yeah, book collections to do it. Yeah, and they're they're hungry to make the point, and they're they're honored to be a part of it. Oh yeah, you know it, it. It isn't a gig. It's not a gig. They're they're in it. They're in it to win it. They're in it because they're like other people who like this thing are going to see this thing and they're going to think it's so fucking cool. <laughs> exactly. Um, actually, uh, at this point, don't worry about it. We're 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 pretty deep in. <laughs> all, right. all right. Well, don't yeah, worry. Really, I th- I think I did remarkably well. No, you did all right. You only mentioned testicles and a cloaca. And the, the no, wait, hey, wait a minute. Those are technical terms. That is not talking dirty. That is actual Latin terminology. No, you're right. Science. I'm sorry. Yeah, this is educational. <laughs> so, um, 
I'm curious about your your TV career. Uh, you know, we're winding down a little bit, but you know, you've worked with a lot of really cool people. You've worked with Ed Asner, Mary Tyler Moore, David Hasselhoff. Is there anybody that stands out to you that, like, in person, this person was really cool? Oh my God! What what I really noticed doing this is that the people that have been doing it the longest and have nothing to prove anymore tend to be so sweet and. They just, you know, to them, now it's become, they've settled into it being a job. The biggest jerks I run into tend to be people either on their way up or on their way down the first time. Because mm. that's that's what happens in entertainment. You go up, and you can't go up forever, and then you go down. And that first down, but you're going to have another go up, but you have to go through the first down. And that first down wrecks a lot of people. I can see that for sure. You can't yeah, handle yeah, it. Just cause it oh yeah, because you're like, wait a minute, I had my hand on it. And then they took it away? I understand that that happens. But those tend to be the ones that, you know, that so like Mary Tyler Moore, Ed Asner, you know, what? Come on, David Hasselhoff. Uh, Eric Estrada. Work with Eric Estrada, for God's sake. Work with Gordon Jump. There is a What's Happening episode that I did where it's uh, the guy who played Larry on Bewitched, and Dick Van Patten. I mean, it's like it's like character television actor royalty. Oh, yeah. And I got to, like, and I got to play with them. We got, we all got to put on, you know, some fake clothes and play make-believe together. It's pretty amazing. Very cool. Some of the people, some, sometimes I, I'll, you know, in my in my low periods when I'm not working or whatever, I'll go on my IMDb page to go, oh, yeah, back in the 30s. And uh, and I'll look at, like, oh, I, I, I look, I worked with that person. You know, when I was seven years old, I worked with Hector Elizondo. I mean, yeah, Hector Elizondo has done a lot of really huge movies. Oh, yeah. They're just, you know, I, yeah, I'm like, I worked with that guy. Wow, crazy. So yeah, I, I, that's another thing. I love entertainment. I I love I love the history of it. I I you know, as 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 bad as the stories that everybody hears about people in entertainment, and those bad stories do happen, and those people are out there. But there is also a whole universe of people who are totally in it for the right reasons, and they're fiercely creative, and they're funny, and they're they're brilliant, and you know, talk about goofy shit stuff, and uh, yeah. It's uh, I love entertainment. Well, that's that's great to hear. My my only question left, and you know, I, I ask this of everybody, and it should be pretty obvious from a voice actor. But who's your favorite turtle? I'm not I'm not at liberty to say. I'm in it. That's like <laughs> saying who your favorite child is. Good All right. Lord. How dare you make me make that make the Sophie's choice of turtle dumb? I figured it'd be obvious, uh, but. Fair enough. The Sophie's <laughs> choice of turtledom. That's just so grim. Good lord. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, yeah, no, definitely not. I can't, uh, you know, uh, I will never give that up. Fair enough. It's Michelangelo, for God's sake. Everybody <laughs> likes him. I, you know what it is? I ask this question of everybody, and usually it's interesting, but does it make sense to ask the voice actor? Maybe Rob Paulson, because he played more than one guy, but everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, Rob Paulson hasn't had me on his little Talking Tunes podcast yet. I think that needs to be rectified. Paulson, and then when I'm on, we're going to have words about it. <laughs> He's had that damn show for like 10 years now. I have not been on once. 
Oh, Paulson. Paulson. Oh. <laughs> I'm coming to get you. I, I love any show that ends with a threat. That's very good. Yeah! All right, I'm going to... So that, that sums everything up. I want to say thank you to Robbie Wrist and the guys thank over Thank you for having me. Thank you. And the guys over at Turtle Flakes, thank you, who I'm doing this podcast in conjunction with. And uh, thank you very much. Oh, wait. Can I get a cowabunga out of you? Oh, a cowabunga! On the half shell, they're the heroes for In this day and age, who could ask for more? The crime wave is high, with buggings mysterious All police and detectives are furious Cause they can't divine the source Of this lethally evil force This is serious, so give me a quarter I was a witness, get me a reporter Call April O'Neil in on this case Hey, you better hurry up, there's no time to waste We need help, like quick, on the double Have pity on the city, man, it's in trouble We need heroes like the Lone Ranger When Tonto came pronto, when there was danger They didn't say we'd be there in half an hour Cause they displayed turtle power